The March to Zion broadcast is a weekly radio production of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. The broadcast is under the direction of Elder Tim McCool, Pastor. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Stay tuned for a message of God's sovereign grace. This is Tim McCool, pastor of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church and director of the March to Zion broadcast. Please stay tuned for a message of salvation by grace. Good morning. It's my great blessing and privilege to be able to speak to you in this way. We want to thank you if you're a returning listener, and if you're a first-time listener, we hope you'll feel burdened to join us each week at this same time. We invite you to come and worship with us at Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. We meet each Sunday morning at 1030 and on the second and fourth Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. Our website is BethlehemPBC.org. That's BethlehemPBC.org. And I would love to hear from you. You can reach me very easily at my email address. It's Tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W.com. That's Tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W.com. Following this song, we'll bring to you a message from the Word of God.
I want to speak to you this morning using as a text Matthew the 8th chapter and also Matthew the 15th chapter and speak to you about great faith. If you noticed in the song that I played this morning, it was just a verse and a chorus. And the title of the song, if you hadn't guessed, is Great Faith. Elder Bryce Lawrence and myself wrote this song a while back. And one of the reasons that I was burdened to write this song is because I noticed the similarities between the account of the Roman centurion that came to Jesus in Matthew 8 and the Syrophoenician woman who in Matthew 15 also came to Jesus. These are the two people in the New Testament that Jesus himself refers to as having great faith. And over the years, that has just stuck with me. I can't get that out of my mind, and I continue to come back to it because it's so amazing the characteristics that we see of these two individuals, and what a strange place that their faith was demonstrated. So this morning on the radio program, I wanted to do something just a little bit different and introduce this subject through that hymn that Elder Lawrence and myself have recently, in the last couple years, written. Again, it's called Great Faith, and the title of my message this morning is Great Faith. I hope on into the message here this morning to share with you the second verse and chorus, and then finally we'll close out with the last verse and chorus. And as you notice there in the song, the first verse and chorus is focused on Matthew the 8th chapter, and so I want to speak to you about that. Let's read in Matthew 8 and 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, you know, he turned around and looked at the ones that were with him and said, Verily, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. No doubt this was a reference to this centurion. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Now, this is stuck with me every time I come back to this and thinking about the faith of this Roman centurion. Notice what Jesus says in verse 13. He says, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. So how did the Roman centurion believe? And I think we'll also see that the Syrophoenician woman in Matthew 15, when we get there in a few minutes, that she believed the same way. They have commonalities in their belief. Otherwise, Jesus never would have said both of these two people had great faith. Now, the reason this is important is I think we can find two or three basic characteristics of great faith given here that these two individuals have in common, and then we have to ask ourselves the question, is this what my faith is based on? Because I would like to have great faith. I would love for the Lord Jesus Christ to look upon me. Wouldn't you? Want him to look upon you and say, here's a person that has great faith. That's not to build up the esteem or the pride of an individual, 
but to glorify the Lord, because if you see the true essence of faith and what it is, it's not something that we generate. It's not something that we come up with ourselves. So as we consider the great faith of this Roman centurion and the Syrophoenician woman, I want you to think about this. What is most people's understanding of faith? It's something that they generate within themselves. And if they can just believe hard enough, well, they can make it come true. Almost as if they could wish something to happen just because they have something inherent within them. Well, the very definition of faith in the Word of God, it says it's the gift of God. It's not of works. It is the fruit of the Spirit. It's something that comes from God. So the very faith within us that we have that we can utilize is something that comes from God. We don't generate it. We don't all of a sudden spontaneously combust faith within us one day if we just try hard enough or concentrate hard enough. No, faith is the gift of God, and it is the fruit of the Spirit, according to Galatians 5. In Ephesians 2, it's the gift of God. That means that God implants it. And when does he do that? He does that in the new birth. And somebody says, well, don't you have to will the new birth to happen? Well, just ask yourself this practical question. Did you will yourself to be born when you came into this world? Jesus said that everyone is born again the same way. John 3 and 8. It's like the wind. You didn't tell the wind what to do, where to go, how to blow, when to blow, which direction to blow. He says, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And there in John, the third chapter, he compares it to a a birth, a natural birth. And nobody wills themselves to be born. It just happens whenever the time is right. And when the time is right with God, he will sovereignly, directly, and mercifully implant faith into the heart of a child of God. We've said many times, but we don't want to forget it, that God implanted faith into the heart of John the Baptist before he was even born naturally into the world, while he was in the womb of his mother Elizabeth. God imparted faith spiritually into the heart of David when he was just a toddler being held in his mother's arms. He didn't accept. He didn't let Jesus in his heart. He had no ability to do that. The apostle Paul had faith implanted into his heart when he was known as Saul of Tarsus going about killing Christians. And he didn't ask Jesus to come in. He didn't say, Lord, I'll let you in. No, the Lord just came in because it was time for him to be born again. It was God's time. And that old thief on the cross in Luke 23 It says that he was cursing the Lord Jesus Christ one minute, and the next minute he was praising his name, and the only one that's taken up for the Lord there on the cross was that thief. When he was cursing him before and hating him and saying, get yourself down and get us down with you if you're the Son of God. What happened? The Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, the Father, intervened, interceded into the heart of that dead-in-sins thief. And gave him life. So faith is implanted by God. We have to understand where the faith comes from before we can ever have a concept about how to have great faith. Because we're told so often in the religious world, well, you've got to believe to get faith. But the scripture says God gives you faith and that enables you to believe. That is a totally opposite teaching in the word of God than what is heard in the religious world. God gives the faith and that enables you to believe. And so here we have this Roman centurion, a born-again, blood-bought child of God, coming to the Lord. And I want you to notice the characteristics of his great faith. First of all, it says that he came to Jesus, and he says, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. First of all, I want you to notice this, that the Roman centurion came 
on behalf of another. That is one of the characteristics here that is very obvious of this great faith. He came on behalf of his servant whom he loved. Aren't we selfish in our prayers? And listen, let me say this. There is nothing wrong with praying, Lord, help me with this, help me with that. The Lord commands us to do that. We have not because we ask not or we ask amiss. You know, there's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, I need this. I need that. But notice that when it comes to these two great fates that we're going to see here in the scripture, notice that they are both, here's the Roman centurion, coming on behalf of his servant. We'll see the Syrophoenician woman in a few minutes. She comes on behalf of her child. So one of the characteristics of great faith is one who is greatly burdened by the need of another. And this Roman centurion comes and says, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. He is deeply affected by the need of another, the dying servant that lay at home sick and grievously tormented. That's one characteristic here that we find of the Roman centurion's great faith. The next characteristic we read on, Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Jesus was willing to do this for this man. But the man said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. Now, listen, the Roman centurion was not saying, I don't want you to come to my house, Lord. I don't have everything cleaned up, and I'm not ready for you to come. He wasn't saying that at all. He was truthfully, honestly, his faith was bearing witness that he did not feel worthy for the Son of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, to step under his roof. Now, he really felt this. This wasn't the guy that had false humility and just kind of feigning, oh, yeah, well, you know, I just really am not worthy, you know, <laughs> and when in reality he thinks with inside, well, yeah, I am worthy. I'm just I'm being humble enough till it makes me worthy. No, this man was not having a feigned or false humility. He was truly burdened in his heart that he was not worthy of the son of God stepping under his roof. So the second characteristic that we see here is the Roman centurion did not believe that he was worthy of Jesus coming to his house. He was not even feeling like he was worthy of Jesus doing this for him. And so he says, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. That is a second beautiful characteristic of great faith. Oh, child of God, when you pray, when you approach God, when you think about your own faith, are we more focused on our own personal needs or do we bear the characteristic of great faith found in the scripture that is more concerned about the needs of others than ourselves? And also here, this faith demonstrates that this man did not see himself as worthy of the Lord, even granting his request or coming under his roof. Do we feel like, well, I, I've been good enough. You know, I've kept enough of God's laws or I've, maybe I think I've never broken one of God's laws. My goodness. Lord, help us if we feel that way. And do we feel, well, you know, I'm good enough to where the Lord ought to do this for me. That's not great faith. If we see ourselves with a sense of worthiness before the Lord, we're in trouble. We don't understand depravity. We don't understand our own sin. We don't see how incapable we are of doing anything pleasing before the Lord. If it were not for the faith and the mercy and the grace that he's given us, we couldn't do anything to please him. And this Roman centurion felt that. He served God. He loved God. He did the best he could. He interceded for his servant and for others in his life, no doubt. And yet he still said, I'm not worthy. What a great sense of his faith that he had. His faith bore witness to him that he was not worthy for the Lord to even do anything for him. 
Is that how we approach the Lord in our prayers? If it is, then maybe we have that characteristic of great faith. If we see ourselves as unworthy, you know, the way up is down in the kingdom of God. The last shall be first. The first shall be last. This is one of those opposites. This is one of those enigmas in the kingdom of God. Here is a man that saw himself as the least and the worst and unworthy. And the Lord said, this man's got great faith. Now let's go on to the next characteristic of great faith. (laughs) He says, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. And he goes on and he says, for I'm a man under authority. I understand authority. I understand ability. I have soldiers under me, and I say to this soldier, go, and he goes, and another come, and he comes, and to my servant, the one that he presented to Jesus that was sick. He said, do this, and he does it. You see, the Roman centurion understood power, and he understood authority, and he's saying to Jesus, Lord, I understand that you have the power and you have the authority to do this by just speaking the word. So you don't have to come to my house, because I'm not worthy for you to come to my house anyway. So we have... Another glaring characteristic here, he says, you are able, O child of God. When we pray to the Lord, when we ask him for things, when we ask the Lord to intercede in our lives, do we pray that way? Do we say, Lord, I'm not worthy. And Lord, I know you're able. Lord, I know you are able to do this. Whether you do it or not is not the point. You see, the Roman centurion's faith was not based on whether or not Jesus performed. See, I'm afraid that what we call faith a lot of times in our own mind and heart is thinking, well, you know, the Lord has got to perform for me to have an increase of faith or to understand better and be strengthened. No, here the Roman centurion said, you don't even have to come to my house to heal this one that I'm asking you to heal. I know you're able to speak the word because you're the son of God and you have power. He says, I understand power. And he didn't say, well, if you don't do it, well, then I just won't believe you anymore or I won't believe in you or I won't pray to you anymore. No, he was not hinging his belief and his faith on Jesus's performance. He already knew that Jesus was able. That is so important. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And then later on he says, Go thy way to the Roman centurion, as thou hast believed, so it be done, shall be done unto thee. And the servant was healed from the selfsame hour. Three glowing characteristics, beautiful characteristics. He was interceding on behalf of his servant, on behalf of others. He believed that he was not worthy for the Lord to do anything for him. And his faith did not hinge on whether or not Jesus did this. He said, you're able, Lord. Now, let's look at the characteristics of another great faith found in Matthew 15. And we'll hear the second verse and the second chorus of the hymn, Great Faith.
As we consider this Syrophoenician woman in Matthew 15, let's read. Verse 21, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. It's like they were embarrassed of her. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. As we consider the second encounter that Jesus had with great faith, notice the characteristics that are going on here. And notice they are exactly like the Roman centurion's great faith. Three basic characteristics. The woman was a Syrophoenician woman, and she comes to Jesus and she says, Have mercy on me, O Lord. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Doesn't that sound like the Roman centurion who said, my servant lies home? He's grievously vexed with sickness. And here this woman says, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. She's interceding on the behalf of another. And now notice this. He answered her not a word. Can you picture that now? Can you picture this woman coming to him, crying, upset, interceding for another, heartbroken, bent on seeing Jesus and having an audience with him, and she cries out to him, and he's just quiet, doesn't say anything. And yet this woman is not turned away by his quietness. She continues to petition him, and even from a distance, it sounds like, because the disciples said, send her away. She's crying after us. She's going, oh, please, please intercede. Please talk to your master. Please talk to Jesus. And he looks at his disciples and says, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Two times now he has rejected her. Then she came and worshiped him. Now, if we were there, would we have stayed with it like this? Wouldn't we have been embarrassed and just gone away? Or wouldn't we have gotten upset and stamped our foot and said, well, I never, I can't believe he wouldn't even speak to me. And now he is saying he's not sent to me. And then she comes back, though. She keeps moving forward with her fate. And she says, Lord, help me. And he answers her and says, it is not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. He calls her a dog. Now, surely here she's going to say, well, my goodness, I can't believe he'd insult me like that. No, you know what she said? She said, truth, Lord. You know what that tells me? She says, I know I'm a dog. I know I'm not worthy of you doing this for me. You know what she's saying? She's saying, Lord, you're right. I am a dog, but Lord, I'm your dog. (laughs) I'm your dog. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. This woman is saying she's not worthy. She's willing to be called a dog. And she says, I'm not worthy. Isn't that something? And then she goes on and she says, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. She knows that Jesus is able to feed her, to heal her daughter. Why do you think she keeps coming back? Three times she comes. Three times she cries to him. Oh, Lord, thou son of David, she says. And then she continues to cry to the apostles and she falls down at his feet and worships him. Oh, don't tell me for one second that this woman doesn't believe that he's able. Notice her faith is not hinging on whether or not he does it. She just knows the only answer she has is Jesus. Do we feel that way when it comes to our faith? As we hear the last verse of the hymn, Great Faith, I hope that we'll think about ourselves because faith is not something that we self-generate. 
Faith is the gift of God. We all have that within us. The measure of faith is given into God's children in the new birth. So every born-again child of God has that in them. And the faith witnesses that we are unworthy. And the faith also witnesses that he is able. One of my favorite verses in the scripture is Hebrews 8 and verse 25, where it says, Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Christ, by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Child of God, are you waiting for Jesus to perform something? Let me tell you something. He's already performed. He came out of the grave. He is able to handle any little problem or big problem that we have. Our faith should not hinge on whether or not he does or doesn't do something. Our faith hinges on the fact that he has already done the greatest thing that could ever be done, paying for our sins on the cross, going into the grave, and by his own power, his own ability, coming forth. And as we listen to the last verse and chorus of the song, I hope that we'll think about that and think about the faith that he's given us And the characteristics of great faith. Remember, they were interceding for others. They said they were not worthy for the Lord to do anything for them, but they knew because of his power that he was able. But their faith did not hinge on him doing it. Their faith was secure in him, whether he performed what they were asking or not. O child of God, may we have such great faith. to the March to Zion broadcast. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write to the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. 
Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church is located seven miles east of Gordo and 10 miles west of Northport, just off Highway 82 on the Boyd Road near Ecola. Services are each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and the second and fourth Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Please join us next week for another message of God's sovereign grace. Love you.